Hello everyone, my name is Anna Healy and I am a life and business coach based in West Cork. I had this idea about six months ago that I wanted to interview women who have started their own business and understand what motivated them. I wanted to meet women from all over West Cork to discover their stories, to hear the lessons that they have learned through their business and celebrate their successes with them. I wanted the interview to be a relaxed conversation in a relaxed environment where we get to chat about the real life experiences of working for your own business. That meant that I called to people's homes, their offices, place of business, just to get a better sense of the woman and their business. It also meant that there are environmental noises in the recording as we were on location, so to speak. So be aware that the sound will be a little sketchy at times due to interruptions from children, partners, animals, even outside cars at times. I think it adds to the authenticity of the interview. This series of interviews has grown a wonderful following and I now realize that there are hundreds of women in West Cork who have taken the plunge into self-employment. My interviews are just a sample of the women out there working using their creativity and pushing the boundaries to make a better world for everyone. I'm getting a real buzz from these meetings and I come away inspired from all the knowledge that they impart. My hope is that you will realize that these wonderful women are just regular people like you and I. Each woman had an idea or a dream and through their courage and determination they made it happen for them. And maybe you might get some inspiration from these ladies to put your dreams into action. Introducing Sarah Devoy, Craniosacral Biodynamics. Recognising the spark in others has been a passion of Sarah's from an early age. Working as the anthropologist for Body Shop International, as a radio and television researcher, and as the owner-manager of a successful organic farm in Roscarbury have been some of her many roles. The individual craniosacral sessions she offers to adults and babies eases physical ailments and calms the nervous system. Vitality and self-compassion and stillness are the foundations of Sarah's work. Her sessions address both the physical challenges as well as emotional and mental well-being. Sarah incorporates meditation energy exercises, partner yoga and gentle craniosacral approaches. The emphasis is on settling into our true creative nature rather than an over-reliance on mental constructs. Sarah has a practice in Roscarbury and in Cargilline in Cork City. She offers programs for women in business, mini retreats and Skype sessions on request. As usual, I asked her how she came about her business. Well, I come from Brighton originally. A long time ago, I lived in Brighton by the sea. Um, but in a way, I was always a bit of a misfit. I don't know if I really fitted in at school. I certainly didn't fit into my family. And I was always looking beyond the horizon yeah. for where was going to be my home. Where was I going to, to really feel at complete at peace with myself? Yeah. And so from that point of view, I'm in, in a way quite proud that I was able to try lots of different pathways and lots of different careers in my life. And somehow I had the opportunity to go into them really quickly and somehow get out of them just as quickly as well. Yeah. So, yeah, if you like, I can, I can share some of that with Do. you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. that'll be lovely. Okay, so when I was 18, I was in Kenya, in the far west of Kenya, in a small village, uh, teaching. And uh, we were told from, from, from day one, just be the teacher. 
be the teacher. Don't even think that you're only 18, because they will have no idea how old you are. So I was in a class of lovely boys and girls uh, from the age of 12 to 26. And uh, I'll never forget the young men in the front of the class, Madame, Madame, and they'd open up their uh, T-shirts and their school uniform, rub their bellies and say, Madame, Madame, come outside, come outside with me. And of course, as 18, we were finding this absolutely hilarious. <laughs> but we're trying to keep some kind of reserve <laughs> for a period of time. But in that wonderful experience, a huge experience, I think in a way it really shaped me because I had yeah. to deal straight in the eyeballs with some very challenging situations and I had a huge wake-up call. Like one weekend, uh, the two of us, both 18, um, we were sitting, we were supposed to be members of staff and one guy comes in the, in the staff room with a knife through his chest, okay? So I had to do a wake-up call, okay, okay, I don't have a car, I don't have an ambulance, I don't have a 999, I don't have a mobile phone. This is back in the 80s. Oh what the hell am I going to do about this? So I, in that moment I woke up, in that moment I had to become an adult and say, right, okay, I need someone with a car and this man needs to go to the hospital and I've got to arrange that. He's looking in my eyes for some help. Mm. And of course, he'd been to the witch doctor, first of all, and he got some paste or some kind of product, some kind of herbal remedy, which maybe saved him, I don't know, on his, on his chest. But I was the one that somehow had to stand up and had to, had to be the person that I needed to be oh in that moment. God. Go to the hospital. And when we got to the hospital, it was all very nice, but this guy was desperately flirting with us. And what did we discover? There was no water in the hospital. We should have brought our own water. Beautiful state-of-the-art hospital, but no well. Oh, my gosh. So these kinds of experiences followed us a little bit. And the other one was very, very moving to me personally, was this young girl came, and then she said, Madam, Madam, come, 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 come quick. And, of course, a girl had aborted, okay? And um, then we had to take her because the placenta hadn't uh, been released. And, uh, you know, there were these very traumatic experiences that I was confronted with from day one. In a way, it gave me a sense of, wow, you know, it, it brought me alive in some kind of way that, yes, I can actually be with people. I can actually support people in these times of incredible crisis, you know. So that was a huge wake-up call, I have to say. Um, and I came back from those huge travels and again found it quite hard to settle, found it quite hard to, to fit in with the normal job or the normal expectations of, shall I say, a middle class family. Mm -hmm. um, so my first um, university experience was in world religions, philosophy, anthropology. Ooh. So <laughs> sounds very fancy. So uh, that was a great experience as well to really, as they say, broaden my horizons. Uh -huh but understand a lot about other cultures and understand that the way I think isn't the way other people think. That everyone has a different way that they see the world. Mm -hmm. And even the fact of um, there's so many studies being done about how we perceive our bodies nowadays and how other cultures perceive their bodies completely different from mm -hmm. the way that we do. So mm -hmm. it is so diverse mm -hmm. and exciting. So I was very glad to have that foundational experience in in other cultures and anthropology. And then I came to London and got this most incredible job that I'm totally grateful for. It was in the book publishers, um, mm. and it was a specialist uh, publishers in uh, Tibetan Buddhism <laughs> and Tibet. <laughs> 
How did you find that? <laughs> there is one, and it was an Oxford Circus at the time. <laughs> so this was oh just a dream. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. It was a charitable organisation, but yeah. such a wonderful opportunity in the 80s, and I was their publicist, so I had a chance to do a blah, blah, blah on the phone. But I was actually, <laughs> uh, I was actually in the office, okay, with, with some of, quite a few monks and nuns from the yeah. Tibetan organization, and one of them was just amazing. And again, I, I'll never forget, she said, right, shopping's such a waste of time, and then she'd go under the table, because you could do what you want in this office, she would just meditate for five <laughs> minutes, but I do need a red coat, I need a red coat, <laughs> this is the middle of Oxford Street, okay, in London, and then she said, right, I'm getting on my bicycle, and I'm going straight to this shop, because I can visualize it there, and I'm going to find it there. So even in those days, in, in the 80s, oh my I feel I was taught by these yes. tremendous teachers. Yes, and the universe provided for that record. Absolutely, coach. and she found it no way, and she was cutting through, yes. cutting through the crap. And right the way down to, <laughs> she taught me that when I was cycling in London, yeah. don't, don't go without protection. I said, oh, you mean a helmet? No, 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 no. Buddha on your head, Buddha behind you, Buddha in front of you, Buddha on the sides. Keep going. <laughs> so... So I, I felt I don't I know if that will work on the West Cork roads now. <laughs> she, have you tried it? <laughs> we'll, give it a, we'll give it a try anyway. Yes, yeah. yes. Next week. Keep it wide. <laughs> very, very wide, but I think it's necessary. But so it, it is a wonderful privilege in a way to look back over my life because I see these threads really coming together. Like I will just to say in a very um, humble way, if I can, that I had the chance to meet tremendous teachers. Just, I had the chance to cook for them. I had the chance to, to actually just do very ordinary jobs and uh, make a delicious lunch and offer this to very high teachers. And, and one time we even had um, the opportunity of being involved in the Tibet support group. In fact, we were kind of the beginners of the Tibet support group UK, because one of my passions was that, that these people were, were so, um, so many terrible atrocities happened. Mm. And um, at the time, they wanted the Dalai Lama to come to London to give, a, to give a speech, but he was silenced because he wasn't recognized, mm. um, but he would be recognized as a spiritual teacher, but not as a political leader. Mm -hmm. But somehow, by some magic, we got him into the House of Commons. And he, and he was able to give the most gorgeous speech, of course, about compassion and, of course, about uh, non-violence and such mm -hmm. things. But it was just tremendous to see him in, in a rightful place with yes. a positive listening audience. Yeah. Um, not at just, say, a load of hippies in a corner listening to him, but uh, you know, at, at, a, yeah. a, at a senior level. And yeah. that, was, that was a great, a great experience, great honor to be involved in that. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. so, so, as, so as life continues uh, to unwind, um, I then decided that I did actually do a bit of radio work, strangely enough. Yeah. <laughs> Worked a bit for the World Service doing little short pieces as well, which I enjoyed. But I was always kind of feeling that I could follow my head, but if I followed my nose, it was a better option. <laughs> 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 Don't think too hard about it. Yes. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. So I was drawn again uh, to go up and to do a great course in visual anthropology uh, in, in Manchester. Okay. But the one thing about it was I had to do a visual thesis, which is a great opportunity. As in, what does that mean? But kind of make a film. So um, because of, uh, I always knew that I had this strong magnetic 
this is where Ireland comes in. Okay. Strong magnetic pull to Ireland. And what was that about? Mm -hmm. Why did I want to go and explore that? And of course, my grandmother, my great grandmother, and we all go back to the O'Briens up in County Clare. Oh. So this was uh, a big passion of mine to come back to Ireland. And I suppose you have to remember, here we are in the 80s and the 90s, and there still isn't much internet. <laughs> not much internet, and there's not much mobile phones either. So how was I going to find about, what was I going to find about Merry Little Island in those days in Manchester okay. University? So you had to come over. I had to find out about myths and legends. There was a couple of little books on myths and legends. And I was looking for a topic for a film. So the only thing I could find in Manchester University Library was about Puck Fair, because I had to have <laughs> a body of information to kind of study so I could talk about it. Mm, yeah. So I came over with a rod in hand, um, you know, a little kind of microphone and uh, one of those furry things and, and, um, <laughs> and, and uh, a video. And I just had to station myself in Cologlin and see how I could make friends, how I could settle. So the Kerry people are lovely. They are, they're fantastic. I'm a Kerry woman, fantastic. Sure. Yeah, But um, everyone said, what are you doing here now? Puck Fair isn't until two months' time. Oh. And my whole work with the anthropology was to somehow uh, connect with the village, connect with the people, and somehow make friends, and therefore make a film. And I did make a film eventually, but not without the help of uh, my current husband. <laughs> a fine young man. A fine young man from Cork. Is he from Cork? He's from Cork. And I was told, because I was given his name from someone in Manchester, well, there's two people you need to speak to. One's a lovely woman. You can go and meet her, and she's great because she's a bit shy. So this lovely woman gave me a bit of information. But there's another guy, John Devoy. Oh, I'd be very careful about him. But speak to him on the, uh, on the telephone. Do that, and you'll be grand. Be very careful yeah. about him. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> so anyway, so I had to meet him. Between the jigs and the reels and the this and the that, eventually he came. I went to meet him in Cork, and eventually he came to meet me in Cologlin. And the very sweet little bit of information, I suppose I can tell you, is I didn't, hadn't even met him for 24 hours, but we went cycling and he was there to so-called, inverted commas, help me uh -huh. connect with the locals, right? Uh -huh. And there's a couple of women sitting on a bench and they said, Adrian, there'll be a wedding yet. There'll be a wedding in Cologlin yet. No way. <laughs> and that was, that, that was in 1990, and they could kind of see the, the resonance or the relationship, of course. Wow, we were, isn't we, that we, lovely? We both went pretty pink, I'm sure, but uh, about four years later we were married. <laughs> so that's kind of a wow. nice story. But um, in a way, I came to Ireland because I was fo following this pulse inside me, mm. right? And uh, despite my incredibly English accent, I feel really at home in Ireland. Mm. And as soon as I get up to County Clare, I think, oh, those walls, I just feel <laughs> they're nearly part of me. And mm. it's very much in my heritage. So I feel that's, that's a very core thing for me, that when I walk uh, on the beach here, uh, when I breathe in the air, it feels part of me mm -hmm. and part of my history. Part of my history that was somehow interrupted. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother went over to England and, you know, various circumstances, the war and so on, uh, there was a flow back and forwards, but there wasn't a, a home here for me as such. So I feel I'm creating history for my wow. family and coming home. That's lovely. Yeah. So after Clorgland, how did you... Um, where did the craniosacral come in? Yeah, because I, I couldn't begin. I guess when I first came to Ireland, I was living in Cork City. I'd done my first um, therapy course at that time. It was called polarity therapy. I think I was a therapist before. Anyone else I knew was a therapist anyway. Yeah. And that was 
really gratifying, wonderful work, but back in the 90s there wasn't really the support yeah. For, for, for being an individual therapist, there wasn't this concept of super supervision and there wasn't this idea of a wider circle of support, which mm -hmm. there currently is, which is absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I did kind of, um, kind of some stress management courses, did some work for VHI, uh, did some work with yoga groups and so on, and found that very satisfying and mm. enjoying. Again, did yoga before anyone else did yoga. Mm. <laughs> it was kind of very novel, that's what it felt like in Douglas and yeah. the north side and the south side. And um, had some great fun up in Nokmahini. And I just will never forget the women in Nokmahini. You'd say, massage grand, what would you like me to take off? <laughs> Whereas down on the south side, massage, all right, here's my little finger. You know? <laughs> so there was very much this north-south yes. divide back in those days. But yeah. it was a great experience and very heartwarming to be involved in that. But then we started packing up our bags and coming down to the Wild West yeah. because John, my husband, had this bee in his bonnet that he had to do something completely different. He was in recovery from a long cycle trip and uh, as what happens with a lot of people who've gone on big journeys, they need to reconnect with the land. Yeah. And so that was part of a process that we started to set up Devoy's Organic Farm, yeah. which was a wonderful piece of our life, uh, yeah. which was about 15 or 16 years wow. of, um, in a way, if anyone's seen the Flintstones, we were just dealing with <laughs> large bits of stone. I don't think John and I spoke a language at the time, but, oh, let's just do that, let's just do that. And, uh, <laughs> we were just building from scratch wow. and that was okay. in hindsight an incredibly empowering experience to do that. I think at times it was Enid Blyton gone wrong for the kids. Get the hell into that polytunnel and pick the freaking tomatoes. Let's take a breath, but <laughs> we need to get this done, <laughs> you know. But anyway, yes. somehow we thrived amidst that madness. Yes. Uh, we live on a lovely piece of land which we're currently leasing. Yeah. And we, at times we had 850 hens and were probably headless chickens for a lot of the time <laughs> ourselves. Yourselves. But yeah. um, again, finding the threads in that, I was in a way the front of house person. Mm -hmm. uh, people would say the salesperson, or I was there at the markets in uh, Clonakilty and Skibbereen. Mm -hmm. And what I loved best about the business was connecting with people. Mm -hmm. And of course, whether I was selling an onion or a bit of turmeric, I'd be explaining and exploring recipes with people mm -hmm. and looking at what would support them and what would kind of, in a way, lift their spirits as well as you know support them from a health perspective. So in a way. I see what I've done in my life as a continuation yes. of something. It's yeah. like a, a revisiting, so from being a therapist in the 90s to returning then to my current uh, work, which is as a craniosacral therapist, for me it's a completing of the circle. It's, yes. it's um, you know, a, a revisiting and a reviving of something that's totally in my nature. It's totally, it's totally the authentic me, to put it in, in simple language. Yeah. Okay. In your current role now, in your current business, yeah. um, talk to me about what you do. Yes. So what I love about craniosacral, it can work on many different levels for people and it's according to what people are looking for. So for example, somebody might come to me because they're experiencing a little bit of anxiety and it might be something very simple. They have a pain in the neck, they have a pain in the lower back. Or perhaps they're a pregnant lady and they've heard that craniosacral is kind of good during pregnancy and they feel a bit um, of a pressure somewhere and they thought that they'd like something very relaxing and calming. Mm -hmm. It can work at that level. And because of the other trainings I've done, um, I love to work directly with children 
and I love to work with babies as well and that's very much part of what I offer. So um, I, can, I can talk about it from different levels if you mm. like. And well, maybe a typical session. Yeah, a typical session. Somebody might come and they'd say, well I think I'm okay but I'm, sometimes I just don't sleep very well. I say fine. Okay, so I would take a, a basic case history mm -hmm. and we would explore different questions and sometimes I would ask slightly off-the-wall questions like, do you know something or anything at all about your birth? And they might look at me a bit strange and say, well, mm, I think I was actually a breech birth or I think I was, um, you know, I happened to be one of these people that was born in a car on the way to the airport or something. Yeah. <laughs> so all of that would be interesting information for me just to bear in mind. And so, but a very typical session, um, I'm not a psychotherapist, that's not my brief, and it's not my brief to spend a long time getting into every single aspect of someone's story, mm -hmm. because the, the benefit of craniosacral is that the story is relevant, but the body will tell the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when the person has given me a brief outline of their history and their expectations, um, they would uh, come to the table and I would do very simple, gentle work for the first session. And uh, that might involve holding their head, that might involve holding their feet, and it's very much permission-based. And if someone has had a bit of a history of trauma or uh, some particular attack or anything like that, um, they may not actually like touch very much. It may be very uh, important to negotiate that. Mm -hmm. And for some people they say, oh, I've never been to a therapy where someone's asked. Is it okay if I touch your lower back? If I, is it okay if I touch your shoulder? Mm -hmm. And that spacious, respectful um, approach is, is sometimes transforming for people. Mm -hmm. And they can really soften and deepen. Mm -hmm. And the whole purpose of the session, in some ways, particularly the first few sessions, is to create an environment where that person's body settles. Mm -hmm. And the relational, what we call the relational field. There's no point in in me being absolutely amazing and somebody not actually connecting with me. Mm. So in a way it's creating an environment where we can both settle mm. because in that way the body will start to unravel the knots itself mm. and come into much greater balance. That sounds beautiful. Mm. Okay. So talk to me about how long are you in this business then? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. I guess I'm in this business for about three years. Okay. In a way, it was a, re a new training that I took on board on top of the polarity ther therapy. Mm. It was a natural progression to that. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I chose uh, craniosacral above other therapies was because of its interconnectivity uh, mm -hmm. with, with pre and perinatal work. Mm -hmm. And pre and perinatal work is just a wonderful lens to see the world, in fact, because I understand, Anna, in your work you do a lot with mindset, mm -hmm. which is absolutely invaluable work. And with the way I would look at it as well is, where do those mindsets come from? Like, mm -hmm. why do people have this idea that there's something wrong with me? Mm. I just don't seem to get things finished. I can go so far and then I just lose energy. Mm. And sometimes I start projects, but I just need a team around me. If only I had a team, then I could actually get these jobs done. Mm. So often um, I would spend some time looking at those mindsets, looking at those attitudes that people habitually have around um, how, they, how they operate in the world. And sometimes I'd offer a gentle mirror and say, I'm just kind of curious if there's mm. any connection with how you were born. Mm. 
And even if you don't have that history for some reason, it, we can still learn a lot about it because, um, you know, I for myself am a C-section baby. So for a lot of my life I thought, I can't do things. I can't get things finished. I'm actually not good enough because I should have done it the normal way, but I, I don't really fit in here. Um, I had all sorts of thoughts about myself mm -hmm. and um, some of these were inherited from my mother. Some of, the, some of those things were things that my mother thought about herself. She didn't think she was a complete woman mm -hmm. when she had a C-section. Oh dear. Yeah. So these, these stories people carry mm -hmm. and, um, and somehow they, they got transported to me as well. So it was a huge revelation, this pre and perinatal work, that the subtle and um, very compassionate way that I work with that isn't remotely traumatizing by the way. Mm. Sometimes when people hear about birth they think, oh my god, oh gosh, I couldn't go there again. That's a desperate traumatization. Um, but could I speak a little bit about the work with the children, Anna? Because mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. might make it more um, relevant and clear to people. I guess, I think what I'd like to say at the outset, because I know the topic of birth the topic of birthing, the topic of being a mother is a hugely charged topic. Mm -hmm. Whether we do this way or that way, whichever way it turns out, is a very emotive and a very, very challenging area for, for us as women and a very important area. So to, to start with, I'd like to say there is no perfect birth. I don't know of someone who's had a perfect birth <laughs> up until this moment. And I like to believe, without being too crass, that there's always time for repair. Mm. and that love and kindness is the key. Mm. Because what I've seen time and time again with little babies is, is something that we can actually achieve for ourselves. So um, I suppose my understanding is that we have a biological uh, wish or desire to just come out of the womb naturally. That's our biological wish to come out free flow, with, like swimming, like little kind of uh, elfins coming into the world. Mm. That is our biological kind of impulse. And for force of circumstances, uh, different conditions arise, and sometimes that isn't possible for whatever reason. So if we can sort of take a breath, because I know we're on ch in charged territory now. So shall we just take a breath together? Yeah. And I know that isn't always possible, mm -hmm. to have this wonderful free-flow experience. It's not always possible to welcome our children in the way that we would have liked to have welcomed them. Mm -hmm. There's often more chaos in the room, there's often people in the room that we didn't want there, there's often madness when people come into the world. But what's really beautiful to see is when I see even an eight-month-year-old, even a ten-year-old, even a fifteen-year-old, that biological impulse is available. They can have the chance to restore and do that again. Mm -hmm. Very simply, I might be holding a little baby's head, she could be 10, she could be 12 months old, and she'll start saying, oh, I want to turn my head this way, I want to turn my head that way, and we just follow it and let her do that. And maybe even with gentle contact with her feet, she'll start to push and she'll start to move in what looks like a birth-like sequence. Wow. And sometimes she might cry, and sometimes I might make a little arc of my hand as if to say to make a little pelvis and she'll yeah. push through yeah. and then mom will greet her in just the way that mom would have liked it to have oh, greeted her first beautiful. day. So sometimes it's about completing that sequence. Mm. So for example, um, 
the C-section experience might be that the legs of the children might not have as much power, they might not have as much push mm. as another child, mm. but that's all totally restorable. So we just give that little child, and I'm now moving on to an experience with a 10-year-old little boy mm. who is finding it really hard to, to go to school, mm. and he was really hard, he didn't like transitions, and he didn't think he could do transitions very well. Mm. Well, I can tell you, he got into this little tent in my therapy room, which happens to have a little tunnel. And he got halfway down the tunnel, and he got stuck. And he said, Mommy, I don't think I can get out of here. Aww. And then Mommy and Daddy were right there, because yeah. Mommy and Daddy were very clever. And Mommy said, I know you're strong, darling. I know you can do it yourself. So we were just literally putting our hands yeah. on, his, on his feet, and I could actually feel the life force coming through to his lower body and he said okay I'll give it a try I'll give it a try will you be there at the other end and it was a small little tunnel and he, and he, was, a, he was 10 and he pushed himself out and then he wanted to do it again and again and again yeah that's lovely so for me that's transformative work mm -hmm. for me that's allowing um, sorting out the bonding it's, 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 it's building that sense of connection with the dad who couldn't be there because he was away at work yeah. and there's mummy there, there's daddy there, they're reconnecting in the most gorgeous way, yeah. it's such a privilege to be there. And um, he's going to come back again but I, I'm full sure that this is going to benefit yeah. his uh, capacity to, to be attentive at school yes. and his capacity to connect with his body. Yes. And he was an incredibly angry child. Okay. And I'm sure there's more work to be done, yeah. but coming into his legs, coming into the power of his body yeah. is incredibly resourcing and transformative work. It's so exciting. Wow. So <clears throat> from that point of view, I want to label loud and clear the work I do with babies, the work I do with adults has got nothing to do with trauma. It's mm. got to do with that potential and that aliveness that we all seek. Wow. Yeah. Sarah, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. What I'm curious is in terms of when you set up this aspect of the business, mm. um, talk to me about maybe the challenges that you've experienced. And thank you for asking this. The biggest challenge for any woman or any person setting up their own business, particularly something that's very, very close to their heart, mm. that's very transformative and very emotional, is to actually look at themselves in the mirror and say, can I hold this? Have I got the conviction for this? Have I got the 100% willingness to go forth and to be seen and to be acknowledged for what I absolutely believe in? And that for me is, this, this business for me is about my integrity. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody that I don't want to talk to about this, but I, my challenge is to find a language that's simple and clear enough so that it can come across and translate well into whatever field that I, I wish to, to offer this to. For example, with the help of um, the West Cork Local Enterprise Board, um, I was part of a, a Women in Business course, which was mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic. With the support of the Discovery Partnership, I was able to, in a way, find a different language for this work, because we've spoken quite openly here, Anna, and in a way quite emotively and quite emotionally. But I also like the concept that this work is translatable in a business context as well. Mm -hmm. Because my feeling is that um, 
to it actually horrifies me, to be honest, to, to imagine that there are so many pregnant women buzzing around up until the nth moment uh, in, in a business context with no real awareness or no real time to have an awareness of their baby. Mm -hmm. So it would be my absolute dream to go into businesses and offer some short little maternity programs and even uh, liaise with UCC and others and say, how about we just test the cortisol? of women in business. How about we see, do these uh, stillness in business programs for, for mums or for anyone who wants to settle into their bodies more, how about we test people and see, can we, can we make a difference to their hormonal level so mm -hmm. that um, we can actually verify that this work has tremendous value. Mm -hmm. um, so I, that, that, would, that would be an amazing um, opportunity if I had that to, to run a pilot program in businesses particularly perhaps for women who are pregnant, and see how can we bring a little bit more stillness, how can we bring a bit more calm, so that when this beautiful, delicious delight of a baby does finally arrive, um, they will be uh, much more calm and much more acknowledged. Wow. So you're looking for um, test companies? I will be very much open to you're test companies volunteers. In, in, in West Cork and Cork. I would love to do that. Okay. Um, and, I, and I would do that on the basis that I feel most people are absolutely talked out. You know, back in the 90s I was running around for VHI talking about stress and da 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 da. And it's all very interesting to have yet one more PowerPoint. But the research has been done. And what, where I am at my 56 years of my life, I can talk and talk, but what I feel is my strength and my gift is to be still with people mm -hmm. and to teach people about stillness. And if I'm ever so slightly rude about mindfulness for a moment, um, <laughs> I feel that we need to move down from the mind or remember that the mind is in the heart and the mind is actually in our pelvis. And the mind is in our whole being. Yeah. Our mind is in every cell of our body. And how can we get away from the blah, blah, blah and take a breath? and really settle mm. and really come back home to ourselves. Powerful message? Yes. Powerful message. Okay. Yes. Now, back into the business then. So obviously mm -hmm. the challenge, I understand that. Um, tell me what has been the best advice that you've ever been given that maybe you've taken on over your career, over your business? Yeah. Again, I guess, um, Anna, I see everything through, through the body and through being because as I've explained to you and probably taken you through a whistle-stop tour of, of my life, there's been a lot of doing. Mm. And, I'm, <coughs> and I'm pretty good at doing. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good, good at, at speeding up and I'm very good at um, using a lot of adrenaline in the tank. Fantastic, actually. Put it in the tank and keep on buzzing. <laughs> so, <laughs> it works pretty well. So I found that the whole process of slowing down mm -hmm. and settling into being mm -hmm. is, is what this phase of my life is about. It's really about reconnecting to me. And the best piece of work, the um, best piece of advice that I've ever received was from Franklin Sills. He said, I can teach you a million techniques. I can shake them all out of my big hat. But the best thing that I can teach you is to be there. And that's basically the essence of what he, he taught us. And um, just to make it human and make it a little bit funny, uh, Franklin used to come 
behind us with a very droll American accent and rather long Fu Manchu fingers. And he'd put it while I was holding someone's head, um, and I'd be leaning forward in, as a novice learning how to do this. And then he'd put his big, big hands over my hands. And he'd say, can you feel father behind you? And I'd say, all right, my father, right. Yeah, my father was a great man. Yeah, I must take a breath. I think I can feel my father behind me, because Franklin reminds me a bit of my father. And then he said, no, 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 not father. Feel further behind you. And then I take a breath again. Ah, feel further behind me. So in a way, what I was taught as a core thing is that the more focused and the more you're trying to fix somebody or trying to do something or try to achieve something, it's, it's going to disappear. Whereas the more, the wider view, the mm. wider horizon, the more I settle back in my body, body, the more I relax, the more wider view I take of even the person's body right in front of me. Mm. And the more I let go of knowing anything at all, mm. I put all that behind me. Mm. And I just sit, set, sit and settle myself and say, what is presenting to me on the screen? What is coming to me? What is, what is important in this moment? Mm. And that's the very best that I can offer. It's not the techniques, it's mm. not the skills, it's not the university degrees. It's that quality of presence and calm. Mm. Sarah, how do people contact you in order to get craniosacral therapy from you? I'd be delighted to hear from people and I do uh, uh, invite people to call me first if they wish and they can have a little chat with me to see whether this kind of approach will, will suit them. Mm -hmm. You can look at my website uh, www.saradevoycraniosacral.com You can find me on LinkedIn and you can find me on Instagram, just kind of learning that one, or you can find me on Facebook as well. So text me, um, WhatsApp me if you want to, send me an email and I'd be very delighted to talk through some of these themes with you. Many thanks to Sarah for that wonderful interview. I really enjoyed spending time with Sarah and learning all about where she came from and how she has got to where she is right now. As you can hear, she has such a depth of knowledge and experience of people, of life. And what I love is the variety of jobs or careers that she has taken through her life, which have all added a whole new dimension and a whole new texture, I suppose, and different layers into her own experience and her life and, and how it can actually add and bring bring value to the work that she is doing right now uh, with her clients. I love that she used the word integrity, which is about being, I suppose, whole and being honest. And I think that's a really important one to remember when you're following down the self-employment route, because I suppose as an entrepreneur or as a self-employed person, it can be very easy to get distracted by all the different, I suppose, pressures or influences that you, you can have in your life. So if you can stick to what is important to you, to identify your values and to identify the purpose of your business and the purpose of why you're in this business, and, and maybe stick closely to that, hold hold it, hold it close to you, um, then whatever direction you choose to take after that will, will be done in a heartful way. Um, and Sarah mentions that as well, to move from the mind, which is all about thoughts, down to the heart and down to the, the sacrum, which is all about getting back into your body and being true to yourself. So fascinating, absolutely fascinating interview for me. I was 
completely enthralled by what she was talking about and connected with it really beautifully all the way through. So thanks again to Sarah and thanks to you for listening uh, to this interview. If any of this resonates with you or if you would like to think more about getting coaching, you can contact me on Anna at AnnaHealy.ie.